As a child, I heard the expression, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Those words were typically said by someone who had been pelted by words. What I came to discover is that is a huge, huge lie. You see, words may not leave the same abrasions and bruises and cuts and scrapes that sticks and stones will. In fact, the wounds that are left by words can be so much deeper and can last for a lifetime. Words have power. They have the power to hurt. I'm sure every one of you in here has been hurt by words at one time or another. But we also know that words not only have the power to hurt, they also have the power to heal. They have the power to comfort. Words have the power even to save. This morning, we want to consider not just the power of words in general. This morning, we want to consider the power of the Word of God. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we ask that you would enliven us now, quicken us by your Spirit, that we might receive what you have to share with us, and that somehow we might be changed by it. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I could give you many descriptions of God's Word, what it is, and what kind of power it has, but I want to let God's Word speak for itself. In Isaiah 55, 11, we read, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. What God is saying here is the word has power to bring life. Jeremiah 23, 29. Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock to pieces. So it not only has the power to bring life, it consumes like a fire burning up the chaff, burning up all that is temporary. It has the power of a hammer to break through hardened hearts and hardened lives. In John six sixty three, Jesus says, The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit, and they are life. They're more than these mere physical words on a page or words that resonate in your ear. They have life because they're spiritual words. Stephen proclaimed before the Jewish Jewish ruling council concerning Moses. He was in the assembly in the desert with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our fathers. And he received living words to pass on to us. Living words. God's word is alive. In Ephesians 6, 17, Paul shows us God's word is part of a believer's armor. He says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word 
of God. Now remember this because when we're dealing with the sword of the Spirit, we're going to come back and touch on that in a few moments. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You see, this is not just a book of mere human words. It's not just a collection of legends. It's not the work of human imagination. This is the Word of God given to us. 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17, make that clear. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All Scripture is God-breathed. That's why it is spirit and life. It is breathed. It is the breath of God to us. This is God's Word. It's infused with power. The Word itself is power. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Let's focus there this morning on this verse. Hebrews 4.12. What are some of the truths that we can draw for this that help us to understand the power of the word? Well, the first is very simple. The word of God is living. The word of God is is living. Though it was written thousands of years ago, God's word is alive. The truths and the principles that we find in scripture are just as relevant at this moment as they were when they were spoken by Moses, proclaimed by Jeremiah, uttered by Jesus, or written by Paul. Now I've heard people say through the years that the Bible is once a boring dull book to them but they came to understand that it was more than that they 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 said for me the bible just came alive you may have had that same experience well here's the thing the bible's always been alive the word is living what happens is the holy spirit quickens our heart stirs us and brings us alive to the word it is we who come alive because scripture already is alive and our hearts begin to beat with the rhythm of god's heart and our mind begins to understand the truths of god not because we're so intelligent but because the holy spirit of god moves in us the word of god is living That's the first thing this passage tells us. The second truth that we find is the Word of God is active. The Word of God is active. And this word active comes from the Greek energes, from which we get our word energy. The Word of God is energy. God's Word is not only living, it is powerfully active. It is at work. And that's why it's so important that you don't leave this just sitting on a shelf collecting dust. But instead, you you read it regularly. You read it thoughtfully. I remember the first time that I wanted to read through the Bible in a year. The first couple of weeks, I was doing really well. I was setting aside the time. Had a program, had a format. I was reading through the Bible. And then... 
life got a little busier. And so what I found was it became an item on my to-do list, something to check off. And instead of being able to read the word thoughtfully, I was rushing through it. And when I'd get to the end, I'd check it off for the day and realize that I didn't ponder anything that God had said to me that day. We need to read it, but when we do, let's read it thoughtfully. You're better off reading two or three verses of Scripture and being thoughtful about it than reading two or three and rushing through it. And the reason we need to read it thoughtfully is because God has something to say. The Word is active, and so we engage our minds. Not only should we read it thoroughly and should we read it regularly, but we should also store it up, memorize it. This is what God's Word says about itself. I've hidden your Word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. This is a psalmist writes this about, about God. I've hidden your Word, God, in my heart so that I might not sin against you. The Word acts as a protection for us, to guard us. We don't go out into the world unprepared when we read and store up God's word in our heart. We're ready to face the battle. We're ready for the challenges that come our way because we've stored it up. It's so tragic that people get into points of their lives where they're really struggling, where they get a terrible diagnosis from the doctor. Something happens to one of their family members, and they have no resources from which to pull, and they so desperately want to hear from God. And God has been speaking to them all along, saying, store this up. You're going to need this. You're going to need this. Store it up in your heart. And yet we casually discard this precious word that is spirit and life so that when we most desperately need it, it's not there. We need to read it. We need to store it up. But if God's Word is indeed living and powerful, we need to share it. We need to spread it out there. Remember, God's Word is, is, is like the rain that falls on the ground. God said, it will not come back to me empty. It will do what I intend it to do if you get it out there. Some of you have a problem sharing your faith. I know because you've told me. You're not alone. A lot of people do. Well, let me tell you, the best thing that you can do is not to go to some course and memorize dozens and dozens and dozens of pages. The best thing that you can do if you want to share your faith is use the two resources that God has given to you. Well, I'll, let me say three because prayer, obviously, is, is the vi- most vital part of that. But that undergirds all that you do. One is your personal testimony. If you're a Christian, you have a story to tell. And yours may not be as dramatic as the Apostle Paul's. But it's real, and it's yours. Share it. But the other thing God has given you to share is his word with the promise that it'll do its work. It's like scattering seed. If you keep it all in the packet, if you never get it out there, it doesn't have the opportunity to germinate and to grow. And so being able to share God's word The Word of God is living and it's active. We also discover that the Word of God is cutting. The Word of God is cutting. Now, what do I mean by that? 
It is sharper than any double-edged sword. A sword that has both edges sharpened has no dull side. It penetrates more thoroughly. It cuts more cleanly. In fact, what we're told is the Word of God, like a double-edged sword, penetrates and is able to cut us to the heart, cut us to the conscience. It penetrates our callous exterior, our calloused hearts. And God's word will work where your words will fail. Did you hear that? God's words will work where your words will fail. Oh, you so desperately plead with your neighbor, with your family member, with your friend to come to know Christ. You plead and you plead and you plead and you use every word, every thought, everything you've ever heard someone else say. You use that and you throw it at them just hoping and praying that something will stick. And then all of a sudden, in a moment of desperation, your friend, your family member opens up the Bible and reads. God quickens the heart. All that you have done compares not to the power in the Word of God to bring conviction and salvation. The Word of God is cutting. It breaks down those walls. It tears away excuses and comes right to the heart of who we are, which leads us to the fourth truth that we find here, and that is that the Word of God exposes your true self. The Word of God exposes your true self. We read Hebrews 4.12. Well, the next verse, 4.13, says this. Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. Abraham Lincoln is credited with saying, You can fool some of the people all the time and all the people some of the time, but you can't fool all the people all the time. I would add something to that. You cannot fool God any of the time. That is precisely what is being said here. You cannot fool God any of the time. God cuts down to the very core of who we are. God sees All, all is exposed before him. The Bible is like a mirror. You know, one good thing of not being in a nudist colony, we get to wear clothes. That may not be the only good thing, but that's one of them. Clothes cover up a lot of flaws, don't they? We don't have to get into specifics, no details. But as you stand before your mirror, sans clothing, Everything's exposed. Nothing's hidden. And the reason I give you that image, which may or may not be pleasant in your mind, the reason I give you that image is because you need to understand that's exactly what it's saying about God's Word. The true self is seen by God. Not the mask that we wear for everybody else. Not how nicely we may look on Sunday morning or when we go in the office on Monday. Not the front that we might put up in front of strangers, friends, or family. God sees us naked, 
completely revealed. Nothing, nothing is hidden from him. And God's word is like that mirror. It shows us who we are. And perhaps that's one of the reasons we avoid it. Because we like the persona we portray. And we don't want that shattered. We don't want that messed up. God's word is like a mirror. As a matter of fact, in, in the Bible, in the book of James, James writes, Do not li- merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. What's it saying here? It's saying when you open and read the word of God, think about it. Be open to God speaking to you. Don't close it. Go away and completely forget it. It has no effect. When you are in your Bible studies or your grace groups or your foundational studies or maybe you have a community type Bible study that you go to in your neighborhood or in your area, what good is it to go and to hear God speak to you and to be revealed before him and then say, eh, I don't like that. And you walk away and you completely forget it. Now, I know some of you, you tell me this, because, you know, occasionally I'll encourage you to memorize a, a passage of Scripture or two, and, and you go, oh, my memory's just so bad. Listen, I'm right there with you. I, I mean, I really am. You need to understand, my memory is not that good. But the more time you spend submerged in the Word of God, the more it sticks, the more it stays with you. And you need it. We all need it. And so the Word of God is living. The Word of God is active. The Word of God is cutting and penetrating. And the Word of God reveals who we really are, reveals our true self. And and that's why when you open God's Word and you read that we are all sinners and fall short of the glory of God. That the very best we can do is like filthy rags when compared to the righteousness of God. And the Holy Spirit takes that word that you have read or heard and He he empowers it. He infuses it with spiritual life so that your heart is convicted and you said, yes, that's me. I am lost in a desperate need. And then you hear or you read that Jesus, Jesus, the Son of God, is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but Him. That God gave His Son to pay the price that you couldn't pay for that sin that you're now deeply convicted of, and you hear it and you read it. And you are convinced, not because of persuasion of a preacher. You are convinced because the Holy Spirit infuses that word with spiritual power so that you say, it is true. 
The light is now on. I can see. You read God's word. And it says, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And the Holy Spirit infuses that word with power. And you're comforted. Because you know that even though you're a sinner separated from God, that you have a Savior who died for you to pay the price for that sin. And that having received Him, no one will snatch you out of the hand of God. The Word of God is living and powerful is sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts all the way down to our true self. More than words on a page. These are somehow the words of God himself. More than words spoken centuries ago and covered with dust, they are God speaking to us in the moment. More than strange names and obscure rules, We find that this is spirit and life. This is God's word. Cherish it. Read it. Study it. Meditate on it. Memorize it. Share it. But whatever you do, never, ever ignore it.